Ahoy, ladies, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are continuing our sail through the second season of SpongeBob SquarePants. This week's episode is Graveyard Shift, one of my favorite episodes of SpongeBob SquarePants. And joining me this week is an animator for the SpongeBob SquarePants movie Rehydrated, Sharky Boy. We have a wonderful conversation about how they got into art, how they got into SpongeBob SquarePants. And of course, we eventually get into the Graveyard Shift episode and have an actual wonderful conversation about the show and other things such as working late at night and whatnot. So definitely stay tuned for that. Um, now, if you head over to our YouTube channel, you will notice a bit of of small rebranding that I've started. Uh, the channel is no longer branded after I'm ready a SpongePod Squarecast. I've since just renamed the channel as Captain Eric, and there will be more rebranding for that moving forward on the channel and on the Facebook page. But why, Captain Eric? Why are you doing this? Well, it seems to be that I'm releasing a lot more video content than I ever anticipated in the beginning, so I'm going to grow those channels more beyond just this podcast and just this week in Nickelodeon history. Although, I just have to let you know, if you are a listener of this show, this is my foundation. This is my rock. I If I decide not to do this show, then I'm deciding to not be a content creator at all. So um, don't worry about any other ventures taking over the Squarecast. This, this is my big thing that I'm doing. So, um, But all the videos I'm making as of right now are going to be Nickelodeon-related at, at this point in time. Down the road, I would like to branch out into other animated shows and to show my love for other things out there in this world. But for now, I'm just kind of branching off into other Nickelodeon content. The reason for this being that the video I put up of the uh, reaction and review of the Nickelodeon All-Stars Brawl trailer brought in such a great response that... I got to capitalize on that. So I have a big video that I've been working on for the last 48 hours. Uh, it is shot. It is being edited. This isn't like something that I'm just pie in the sky thinking about. Definitely pay attention to our YouTube channel over the next week and wait for that video to come out. It is a long one. It is big. It is the most effort I've put into any project that I've made thus far as my time as a content creator over the last 10 years. That is something. So pay attention for that. Search for Captain Eric on YouTube. If you still search up I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast, definitely the channel is the first thing to pop up. So uh, pay attention to that. If you can follow us on any forms of social media, it's always a big amount of help. Any way that you can support the show is a massive help, and I appreciate all of it. But we're going to take a quick break for our usual commercials. When we come back, we'll start the conversation up with Sharky Boy. Will you please? Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod. You can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in spongepod. 
inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy. Who wants a Krabby Patty at 3 in the morning? Oh boy, 3 a.m. The the thought of working a 24-hour shift at any establishment, let alone a restaurant, sounds like a crazy ordeal. Now, if I had to stay up late to do any job like record a podcast, I would have no problem doing that with my guest on this week's episode. Uh, Today, my guest, Sharky Boy, owner of the Am a Crazy Shark YouTube channel and contributor on the SpongeBob SquarePants Movie Rehydrated Project. Sharky Boy, thank you for joining me on today's episode. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. No problem. Uh, I mean, today's episode has to do with with working late, and I got to imagine that as as an artist, you've had some late nights working on some art. Oh, yeah. At least have to assume, right? Oh yeah, like I would make. Oh yeah, some of the videos I would make, um, they would they would go well into midnight, like around two a.m. or something. I feel like that's uh, just uh, the most creative time. Oh yeah, yeah, especially like I work when whenever I work, it's very often at night or during at night or during the <laughs> evening. Very on brand. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, and um, and yeah, I don't really have much else to add to that. <laughs> Um, now, as far as, as far as art goes, what's, what's your, what got you into art? What's your earliest memory of it? Earliest memory of art? Um, hmm. That, that, that's a difficult question. Um, I, I, I guess, um, I, I guess I, I guess I, I did watch like lots of cartoons and I read especially a lot of comic strips when I was younger. Like I was really into Calvin and Hobbes books and whatnot. Oh, those are classics. Yeah, those are definitely like one of the earliest, like, artistic like influences because i do because i am also because i do also because i do also do some like like not just video editing but i also do like some artwork but it's not it's it's kind of seldom seen i i do i do intend on expanding on that more often but i did make one one of the videos on my youtube channel is actually like this animation i did years ago where it's like where it's like this where it's like this cartoon of like spongebob beating up his friends <laughs> as he sometimes does with karate of course but ways. it's like but it's like he but in this cartoon that I like i made when i was like 15 or something his eyes have like no pupils at all he like he's like a soulless monster and no, nobody really seems to react much he, he like he like does all sort, you know, he does all sorts of crazy stuff. But just, don't just worry, goes in a bit of a trance. He gets he gets his comeuppance at the end, and it's all to the t- and it's all to the lovely tune of Tiny Tim's Living in the Sunlight. I, I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. If SpongeBob was gonna go into a a trance where he was just going to take out everybody in Bikini Bottom, that would be the the music choice that I would go with for that battle. At least on the YouTube version, I remembered uploading that into Newgrounds once, and they made me change the song. So I just picked one of I, I picked one of one of one of the production musics that they had in the background. I don't remember the exact name of the song, but it was actually at the very end of an episode you recently covered, Shanghai, where oh, um, the goodness. Flying Dutchman yeah. was was chasing them around them um, the RV in that that tie dye background, and it's that song that that's that's like I can't really do. It. It's like. <laughs> 
like that song. I the, the hey the attempt is gold there. We I know exactly what piece of music you're talking about, so you got that down. Yeah. Um, how did you get involved with the Rehydrated Project? Where where did that come from? Well, I mean, um, well, well, first I should I should I should well, first I should just briefly discuss my um memories with SpongeBob. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you know what? For, forget the Rehydrated Project. The second, I mean, how long have you known SpongeBob? How long have you been a fan? A very long time. Ever since I was like three, four, it like it, it was like one the one it was like one of the first the his the cartoon was like one of the first things I've ever obsessed about as a child. And like when you're like an autistic child and you get obsessed with something, you get obsessed with it. Yeah, yeah, like, it, it becomes your life. It consumes your life for you know, could be a couple yeah. weeks, could be a couple months. Yeah, what's funny? What's funny is that um, was that um, my family like I think we it took a while for us to get cable, so we didn't really get Nickelodeon, but but they but they would get like buy like DVDs and stuff of like SpongeBob and like Rugrat and Rugrats, like there's. Yeah, yeah, I was really into Rugrats too. Like the the stuff I watched on Nickelodeon would would be you know regular stuff like like Rugrats, Fairly Odd Parents would be would be there and and you know what whatnot. But SpongeBob is de but SpongeBob is definitely the one they pushed the most. That's the one that like I latched I latched onto the easiest. Like the DVDs I had were like the Nautical Nonsense DVD. All oh, the early stuff. And uh, yeah, like the very early early like one ep one episode well not one episode but like one disc stuff and i remember getting like this the complete second season on d for christmas when it came out and that was a really big deal for me because it was like 20 episodes you know lots of episodes on one package yeah and and what's crazy is the nautical nonsense dvd it's funny that you bring that up um but that actually had this episode that we were covering today graveyard shift um, it had it on that DVD months before it even aired on the United in the United States. Oh wow, I didn't know yeah, that. that I'm alongside a... Club SpongeBob, you just had on this DVD for for months. I don't I don't know if I I don't know if I remembered that episode being on that DVD. A, the other the other the other SpongeBob DVD that I had that I really latched on to was um Sea Stories. It had like I think the special features of Sea Stories had like Shanghai, but it was divided into three episodes where like each it's all like the same episode except the ending is different. Yeah, they probably showed off the the other alternate endings of that episode um, with Squidward and Patrick getting the final wish. Yeah, kind of separately. So it's like three different. So it's like three different versions of the same episode. It's like all eleven minutes, but that but the ending's just different. Yeah, Nickelodeon always put out pretty quality uh, SpongeBob DVDs. Um, now, so you've been a fan of SpongeBob for a very long time. Did have you kept up with the show as it's been on television, or have you kind of like lapsed in and out of of watching it? Well, the well the well the length of time for for when I lapsed out lapsed out of it um, is interesting because. You know, like I was little, I was really big. You know, really, really huge into the show. Like I saw the first movie in theaters when it came out, and uh, oh, and then um, had to at least several times. Yeah, and that like, and that like, I was, st and I was still, of course, like into it, into it. Then, like around around five, like honestly, the first step, the first time that I really started to kind of notice some weird, something off with SpongeBob that I wasn't sure I was liking. Was how Nickelodeon would just promote regular episodes in like the most clickbaity way. Well, whatever the term of clickbaity is, like the first thing episode I really think of is that episode where um SpongeBob breaks his spatula, 
I just remembered that episode being really lame and boring, but the marketing that Nickelodeon had for it was that it was promoting that SpongeBob is going to serve a monster Krabby Patty. Yeah, well, I mean, in the in the world of marketing, they have to do whatever they can to get eyes on the product. And um, probably during those years, Nickelodeon was seeing a decline as more people were kind of tuning into streaming and DVRing episodes. So they'd have to promote however crazy things they could just to get kids to watch it live. Well, this is around 2005. So, um, so like, you know, streaming stuff like Netflix hasn't quite Oh, picking but the up D- yet? The DVR issue is yeah, DVR definitely. Two thousand five was was a problem. So because for a oh, lot yeah. of advertisers, I mean, they don't care that you DVR the show because they know you're gonna fast forward through all the commercials. Yeah, right. But yeah, right. And um, yeah, right. So they would they would do marketing. They would do marketing like that. And uh, then, and I was and I would end up just being kind of felt kind of cheated because it was just a regular regular lame episode that. Uh, that they really marketed because like because i just remember the first just remember they used all the footage of the fish going like monster crabby patty monster crabby patty <laughs> and 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 then i and that made me hype for that week being like well spongebob's gonna take over a monster crabby patty what what's that gonna be like what, what's that even gonna be what, what, how's he even gonna do that and then the episode and then first like 30 seconds or so he breaks his spatula the rest of the episode becomes him crying over his spatula and um and then um the next and then like this is like season four i think yeah. you know season season four is is a really weird season because it's super transitional because there are some episodes in it that are good but like but like the the, the steeping quality from when steven hilleberg is running the show to like the first season where he's completely out of the show like he's com- has nothing to do there is such a noticeable quality like steepness yeah, that, yeah that, I mean, and that you could in hi- pretty much in hindsight following season too. It just has its up and def- downs. Definitely in every following season. I mean, you'll get to that eventually, though. <laughs> That's I. I purposely stopped following SpongeBob like newer episodes for a while, knowing I would eventually get to a podcast like this, and and now I'm on that path. So yeah, I'll I'll get to some episodes I just have never seen before, and it'll be my first time. Oh yeah, and the and the crazy thing is that um uh, the the whole marketing thing it still got to me sometimes. Like around season five ish, I think you know, like two thousand six or seven. I think that's kind of when I s- sort of stopped watching it like regularly, or at least tracking down. Well, well, I don't know, because like whenever Nickelodeon is whenever Nickelodeon was showing it, which is all the time, I would be like, I would be like, okay, nothing's on Cartoon Network or Disney Channel. I, I barely watch Disney Channel, honestly. But what's on Nickelodeon? Oh, SpongeBob is an episode I haven't seen. What's this? And then it, and then it would be some episode about like SpongeBob building stone sculptures, and then <laughs> that's and then, certainly like, that's certainly an out there one. Or like the one where like Squidward gets covered in cement, or like just like. Or just other stuff, but but then once in a while they would they would do a huge marketing event where they go and SpongeBob goes to Atlantis and meets David Bowie. Well, being and their then, first like TV movie, I thought like that was probably my my most disappointing SpongeBob episode, simply because they it was his first movie on television, so of course it was going to be a big deal, and then it kind of wasn't. Yeah, and then and then like a year later, I think. That's when they were promoting Truth or Square, 
and and the and the, and the and the link and the strings they pulled on that were like so insane where it was like witness spongebob and sandy getting married and not only that but um mr krabs is going to reveal to spongebob the secret to the krabby patty formula i i actually really liked the marketing for truth and square just just to go wild throw whatever at the wall just to get people to tune in i i yeah, give that a pass at yeah, least and it, and, and it, somewhat because because when i watched the actual special and uh and it was, and it was like, what? They're just in the, they're just in like the the rafters of the Krusty Krab for like an hour, and then it cuts to like Patchy the Pirate's pathetic like journey, and getting a fic, a fictional character's attention, like, <laughs> like, like it, like, like again, that sort of, I, I believe it's at this point where it was kind of starting to to pick up on SpongeBob not be, not being as good as I once remembered it. I'll, and then then they have like that that other special with Johnny Depp in it where it's like a a wave or something. Like yeah, again, he played a he played a surfer there. Yeah, he played like a weirdly realistic looking fish. I my, remember my, SpongeBob versus the big one. Yeah, yeah, my yeah, Johnny Depp's fish design reminds me of like Matt Damon's design from Arthur when he appeared <laughs> in that. I, I have it, no frame of reference for that. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, I've but seen but anyway, in so long, but apparently it's still going on to this day. Yeah, yeah. So so I think around eleven or twelve or something, I was like, yeah, SpongeBob sucks now. It's it's for it's for like little, little kids or whatever. And then and then I all and then for some reason I real I was like, oh wait, they have the first hundred episodes of SpongeBob on DVD at Best Buy. I should get that for my birthday money. Now, even when you weren't really liking the show, did you maintain SpongeBob in your art? But, but sort sort of. I, I I do well. I do remember one time for my ninth birthday. I think like my parents made me like a SpongeBob cake where it was like SpongeBob in the shape of the number nine. That was pretty cool. And that um, uh, and that um, uh, I don't know if I was. I, I probably was drawing because I drew a lot. I would draw like SpongeBob and and friends a lot and uh. And like it, it, it isn't until when I got older, especially when I did that animation when I was fifteen, that um, that um, I was that I was like, SpongeBob is such a tough character to draw. He has so many finite details, like in his in his cheeks and how his the, the outline around him. It isn't it isn't straight. It's like sort of curved looking. Yeah, there's such an art form to get the the design right like the shape first before you even add any of the features because it's got a it's got to curve a little bit but then seem right when you're going to put the square pants in it's got to straighten out it's a it's definitely a character design pre-2010 where they would just make like the smoothest looking figures and like the like simplest like art choices and whatever but 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 yeah, when I got that hundred episode DVD, I'm a, I I think I think I I think when I was like twelve or something, I was like, oh yeah, SpongeBob's lame. Wait, half of these wait half of these DVD half of the discs here are like season four and beyond. I'm gonna throw them away. Oh and no! Yeah, I actually, yeah, I actually did that. Where in hindsight today, I would not do that at all. There's still again, gold I, in those. I know I was sent. <laughs> I know I was sent. I know I threw like the the latter half of like. That that TVD away, which had like the documentary on it and everything, and and which I would not a mistake that I would not do that I would not intend to repeat. So so I only have like so I only have like the first eight discs that had that all have season one and 
one through three in them. And, and it was and it was upon like and it was upon when I was like I would rewatch those de- like whenever my family would go on a vacation to like res- to like a res- resort or whatever I would put we would put like those on with like me and my brother and, and and we would laugh at them and I would realize yeah this show was once really great it was once golden right, right. Um, and around like that and around and around yeah I actually saw the second movie in theaters when it came out because I was interested because because by that point I was like. Well, it is another like SpongeBob movie, and uh, and literally ever since childhood, because I liked the first movie so much, I was like, I wish they made another mo- another SpongeBob movie, and they actually made another one. Yeah, they eventually. Which got was to. so like, just so surreal to me, and that um, uh, and that um, uh, but and that when the marketing and that the marketing was like SpongeBob and friends are in the real world. I was sort of iffy about that, but I was like, well, there's some cartoon june stuff in it maybe never, hopefully if i'm lucky made the first half hour or so of any project just change your idea on seeing it there has been so many movies with terrible trailers and so many bad movies with really good trailers I, never go by the marketing on something yeah right because my brother and i w- went into that expecting like expecting just goofy real world shenanigans and at about like the hour mark or forty minute mark or whatever, where like SpongeBob and Plankton are in like some taco restaurant trying to build a time machine, time machine, I was like leaning over to him, leaning over to my brother, and was like, "They're they're really taking their time to get out of out of water here." Yeah, yeah. Hey, they could take all the time they want. I'll soak in all that beautiful two D animation. Um, speaking of two D uh, animation, um, today's episode graveyard shift. Which, yeah. By the way, one of one of my favorite season two episodes, one of my favorite SpongeBob episodes of all time. I don't know where that falls same here for you. Oh, same. Oh, yeah, same here. Um, uh, I when I was when when I was part of this um project. Oh, oh, I didn't even mention what scene I what how I even got to like involved in this project to begin with. Yeah, yeah. So I was just so like Shrek retold came out. I was like really big into like these like fan submitted like project reenactments and whatever and i was like i should join in on one of those and i somehow got word that there was going to be a spongebob movie like reanimated maybe i just looked searching you know reanimated projects on twitter or whatever and i was like i should get in on that i should make something for that and i did (laughs) and your scene is all is all done and ready to go yeah, my scene's all done and ready to go. There's like one little goof I made on it that's too late to fix now, but whatever. And what my scene is, it's a very short four-second snippet where um, it's SpongeBob and Patrick. They're in the sug tug, and they're like, and this is right after they discovered bubbles. They could they could blow bubbles in there, and and it was and it was specifically the part where SpongeBob and Patrick are like popping bubbles, like SpongeBob's like popping bubbles with his tongue. Patrick's like biting on them with his teeth, but I specific, but but I took a little bit of liberty. Scene where since it's like four shots long, where it's like shot one is SpongeBob popping bubble, shot two Patrick, and then it's just sort of repeat. Aside for those latter two shots to like add my own spin to it. Oh, of course, I would expect any animator on the project to to throw a little bit of their own spice that they can into their scenes. We're like we're like for we're like for the third shot, as in the second shot of SpongeBob popping his bubble. I I like drew SpongeBob's face kind of grotesque looking, at where he's popping the bubble. And for the and for the fourth shot with Patrick, I'm a 
Emma, I, I I went really crazy, and I had Patrick just lay on the corner with a TV, just playing the SpongeBob movie video game on the GameCube. <laughs> and I had footage, and I had, and I put actual footage of like the movie game on the television and everything. What a classic game, too. By the way, I don't know if you've ever yeah. had the opportunity to play it through. Oh, I played it. I played it. I played it. I actually played it quite often, like not long ago. Like I think even during the pandemic, I was like, "Oh yeah, I still have that game. I wonder if it's fun." And it's and it's still pretty fun. I mean, it's Battle for the Bikini Bottom reskin, but it's still fun. Oh, absolutely, it holds up. Um, now, now let's get back to Graveyard Shift because there's something I got to bring up here that uh. That is really, I, I got to mention to any workers out there, um, mm -hmm. there are certain lines that your superiors just cannot cross, and there are rules that have to be followed. I don't know how oh, it yeah. works underwater, but I can tell you that Mr. Krabs is a consistent breaker of OSHA violations. Oh, um, yeah. There is no way that your boss could come to you at the end of your shift and then just make it a rule that you're open all the time. Yeah, when when rewatching this, I was surprised at how, at how well Squidward even takes this con, con, comparatively because um because like because like Squidward's like his his reaction at most is just what like kind of ridiculous like oh man I have to stay here even longer. Yeah, yeah. But, now SpongeBob, who loves working at the Krusty Krab, is of course ecstatic to be able to there be that you know live at the Krusty Krab essentially. Of course, it's like a sleepover, only except we'll be all sweaty and, and covered in grease. Uh, that's never a good thing. Never a good thing. Um, what's, what's super interesting, and I don't know if this was planned at all, but this episode first debuted in America on September 6, 2002. Now, like I said, months earlier, on March 12th, this was first released on DVD, and even earlier in Canada... That year, on January 24th, it debuted. But September 6th is interesting because it is actually the birthday of the actor who uh, played Mac Nosferatu, Max Shrek. His, yeah. his 123rd birthday is when this episode debuted. So in somewhat of an honor to the man, I, I feel like it had to have been planned at some point to, for that it's to happen. It was October, right? Yeah. Good, good Halloween month. It's it's good. It's very good fortune that 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 the actor plays a spooky spooky um uh, monster is, man. So I mean, it's it's oh, close September. enough. I mean, it's right close there. Enough, in fall yeah. season. Yeah, right. I'm a yeah, right. I'm a but 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 we might be jumping a little ahead and talking about Nosferatu. Now, uh, before then, there is a name. Now, if you're a fan of Phineas and Ferb, if you watch this episode now, a certain name might strike you uh, in the opening credits as Dan Pavemeyer, one of the creators of Phineas and Ferb. This is his first SpongeBob episode as a writer. He wrote alongside Doug Lawrence and Jay Lender, and he was also a storyboard artist, uh, Dan Pavemeyer was. Now, they actually tried to pitch Phineas and Ferb to Nickelodeon, I possibly around this time, and Nickelodeon oh, yeah. was passed on the project. Mm. Right, yeah, right, yeah. I was reading stuff about how like they they tried to they tried to um pitch Phineas and Ferb to like a million different networks and whatnot, and only Disney w w were the only takers. Which is crazy to know just how popular that show has become in our culture. Yeah, um, fin Phineas and Ferb, yeah, beloved. Yeah, it had had like a yeah, it's on like Disney Plus and whatnot, and they still like do, do all sorts of other stuff. 
but yeah, it's funny because it's funny because when when watching this episode, I wouldn't really immediately assume that oh, this is written by Phineas and Ferb people because um because um because like well for one thing it's not a musical, but <laughs> yeah, also, there was no music anywhere to be found. Unless you count like the spooky instrumentals and whatnot, but um but um but also um the general the general sense of humor just feels like sort of different from from the kind of stuff that Phineas and Ferb would do. Or Phineas and Ferb is kind of deliberately formulaic and what and whatnot. I tried as watching this episode. I actually tried to vision Phineas and Ferb or what their brand of humor is, and just to see if there was anything. And I I I got a certain feeling, but I I certainly didn't feel any sort of that classic Phineas and Ferb brand humor. But um, this still though the way it handles jokes um, between Squidward and SpongeBob is very. Uh, you can cert there's certain uniqueness that I think Dan yeah. brought to the script here. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Well, there's yeah, right. There's well, well, of course there's two other writers, but um but yeah, you could definitely see like bits and pieces of of each and of of each person. Although I don't know Jay Lender as well, but 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 Jay Lender did contribute to like the big Nosferatu ending, which again we'll get into. Absolutely. So yeah, Mr. Krabs. Now, what's what's really weird is even at this point in the show, uh, SpongeBob has been working at the Krusty Krab for a long time. Now, normally the Krusty Krab closes at six p.m., but for some reason on this episode, it's been eight p.m. Eight. I, it's shocking to me that it wasn't until tonight on this night that Mr. Krabs even had the thought of a late night, like. The idea that fish would want food after a certain point in time, he was amazed by that. Yeah, and this and this won't be the only time we'll be dealing with like a twenty-four hour. Um, oh no, of course, fear of a Krabby Patty immediately comes to mind as like the next time SpongeBob agrees to never leaving the Krusty Krab. And it's so interesting, like how uh, again, just how glibly they deal with the fact that they're open twenty four hours. Because at most, Squidward's just like, "Ah, oh, man, I have to stay here longer and stuff." You know, SpongeBob's all ecstatic. And it really only stays restricted to like this one episode, because in classic SpongeBob fashion, it's never brought up again. But in but in something like Fear of the Krabby Patty, the greater ramifications of that really seep into that episode. While in right, here, it's just right. treated as like a minor annoyance at best, yes. and it were really just an excuse to to have them be in the restaurant overnight. It, it worked out in the end. I don't think we we would really question it that much. But the one thing I do want to question is how Mr. Krabs, in such a short amount of time, was able to get a neon sign installed, like. Within yeah. maybe an hour or two after he left, or at yeah, least right. a few hours, he had an open forever sign just installed on the inside, uh, on the outside, and there weren't that many customers. I don't think the right. amount of money he's spending on electricity, and even as low as they're getting paid, the the money that he has to pay SpongeBob and Squidward to be there makes up for the money he's making. Because we saw like two or three customers throughout the whole night, and that was it. And like that one. Yeah, yeah, with the exception of, like, that one opening shot where he gets, like, trampled by a bunch of random fish. They really are, they really only get, like, three, like, yeah, like, three or four customers in, like, that one shot. And then for, like, the rest of the episode, it's just completely vacant, which which we, we will talk about the atmosphere here in a second, but, yeah. Yeah, the, the atmosphere in this episode is they nail it right on the head when they want you I to love feel... it creeped out by bikini bottom at night this is the episode to go to i know i know it's like i know because it's not 
well, it's sort of like a Halloween episode, kind of, but it's not like explicitly Halloween like that, like the other. Um, wasn't that episode literally called no Scaredy Pants? Yeah, yeah. Like the, you're, to have an atmosphere like this outside of a g generic Halloween episode is certainly a treat. Yeah, it's it's that and um, what what that other episode where they kill um the health inspector? What was it called? Was it like Patty Hype? No, it wasn't Patty Hype. It was um, I, I forgot the name of that other episode. Have Have you talked about it yet, or? Uh, we haven't gotten to that one yet. No, that I believe that's the the nasty Patty one. Uh, yeah, nasty Patty. Yeah, yeah, because um, because that's something I noticed with with a lot of early SpongeBob is that they really do a great job kind of nailing the at atmosphere to like when it, whenever a story has a certain tone to it uh, like what well spongebob and mr crab think they may have killed the guy and it and it's and it's shot and it's and it's all presented sort of like a noir like a noir lighting and whatnot like it like it looks noticeably murkier oh well it, it always hope i always hope that artists um are fans of those kind of projects when they're working on episodes like this like i hope they were fans of horror movies and they get to really explore how you can really make Bikini Bottom as creepy as you can without it being overtly Halloween. Exactly, and and this episode does it perfectly because um yeah it does it perfectly as um as you know the these artists because like they've always have, have such a good usage of like the color green like it's so like dark green and and the flowers are drawn so differently and you can tell they're you know working on like a limited tv show budget but like they they do some really smart choices with how they present with how they present like bikini bomb at night and um and i'm like this is honestly a really well-directed episode upon like viewing it again oh absolutely it, it hits every point it's supposed to now there the, to the reason for this creepiness about Bikini Bottom is that as the night goes on and SpongeBob is, is super enthusiastic about being there overnight with Squidward, Squidward decides enough is enough. I got to put this kid in his place, decides to tell uh -huh. him the tale of the hash slinging slasher, an urban tale that Squidward pretty much is making up on the spot of a, uh -huh. uh, a old fry cook who used to work at the Krusty Krab who accidentally chopped off his hand, replaced it with a rusty spatula, and then being run over by a bus. Upon rewatching this, like some some a, a lot of jokes I actually missed. First, there, there's a lot of jokes I actually kind of missed upon Squidward's stories because I'm because I'm focused on all the crazy visuals, which which we'll also get into in a second. But like. Like, like, I love how Squidward's, like, making up the story on the spot, but there are, like, certain eccentricities to it, like, certain things, like, like, he's ma he's clearly making it up as he went along, being like, he was hit by a bus, and then at his funeral, they fired him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he would have to be, I mean, I think when you get hit by a bus, you're pretty much quitting your job at that point, there's no need to yeah. be fired, but poor guy had to get his term papers at his funeral. Yeah, and then... Yeah, and then and then and then what he's like every what what day is it Tuesday every Tuesday night every Tuesday night the ghost of the hash slinging slasher returns to the spot of the crusty crab the lights will flicker on and off at first then the phone will ring with no one answering on the other end and then finally dude can I have some ketchup <laughs> oh yeah here you go uh, and then the the bus will arrive with the hash-slinging slasher, apparently, who, I mean, seems pretty pretty consistent for an every Tuesday night type ghost. Yeah, 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 and, and, and also that's a good name, the hash-slinging slasher. Yeah, for those you know who what? don't know, ha oh, what, you were you going to talk about hash-slinging? 
No, you go ahead. You're the no, host. No, you brought that up. I didn't notice you were teeing that up for me. Go ahead, take that shot. Okay, well, I don't have I don't have as much to say of it as you thought, but I basically learned today that the word that hash slinging means like restaurant worker. Yeah, yeah, or, pretty much. Have a it has a good ring to it though, hash slinging, um, the, the the trash bringing, the the the, the <laughs> slash singing. Um, of course, uh, as you would expect, these kind of episodes to go, um, as much as as SpongeBob is terrified of of Squidward's story, the tides turn to, uh, turn on Squidward himself as some of these things start happening around three a.m., which is unbeknownst and i don't know if you know this but 3 a.m is just the scariest time of the day uh-huh it's the where the weirdest stuff can happen you know from experience yeah well well, not from like actual working experience like god forbid i'd work at three well well, well at a place at least but but at home like yeah 3 a.m is pretty spooky sometimes oh absolutely uh the the lights start going on and off squidward of course kind of shrugs this off spongebob as well the phone rings no one is of course on the other end of the line and then oh, before oh no the walls oh, sorry the walls would leak green slime oh wait they always do that probably one of my favorite visual gags in this whole episode is that apparently <laughs> it's completely normal at least at 3 a.m or normal some of the time where the the walls in the crusty crab will somehow leak green slime Squidward would know that. I don't know. Yeah, but, I can't but, uh, imagine this happens during the day when customers are in there. But um, well, well, you never know. The Krusty Krab has some pretty questionable, like, 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 ser- like, um, services. Well, well, not services. You, you know, like, you you never like build the building's pretty old. You never yeah, know what's yeah, gonna happen. Yeah, definitely. The piping in there is probably the the worst repairs you can imagine the cheapest repairs so it needs some work yeah, the ma- maintenance that was the word Absolutely. i was looking for maintenance but one thing that one thing that we kind of skimmed over that i wanted to bring up is like is like on account of this being a well-directed episode it has such fun like it has such fun like creative visuals like visual jokes like all the weird arm jokes that they do with spongebob yeah they have spongebob have a lot of fun with his sponginess in this episode yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like how, like how he, like how, cause, yeah, because limbs grow back on sponges, which they don't, which they don't bring up too often. Like in the episode of Pressure, they mentioned that SpongeBob could just reproduce numerous offsprings. Yeah, so he could just rip off his arms and get them replaced in no time. So it's a yeah, but yeah, but in this one, they do so many creative things. Where like, <laughs> we're like for. Well, like when Squidward's t- well, first when he rips off a million arms and they all kind of run away in fear. Well, then when Squidward's telling the story, he's like chattering his teeth, kind of like a type board, which is a very classic kind of cartoon gag that I see a lot in like Popeye or whatever. Well, then we and get then, the classic SpongeBob gif of him with the popcorn bucket of arms just. Well, well before that, he well before that he's then like swallowing his arms like kind of like a paper shredder. Yep, and, and then the it, full sounds and everything. And then it gets to the popcorn bucket full of his own arms. And that's like such an ingenious like visual that's such an ingenious visual gag. Like, they they had a lot of fun with it. They you know, I like these kind of SpongeBob episodes when they can kind of tone it down and just yeah, like, yeah, one feel, or you know, two characters in one yeah, yeah, the state Yeah, it feels very low stakes. Like it's very like it like it like it forces you to think about another really good one is um that that one where um 
was it was it can you spare a dime? No, it wasn't. It was it was the one where um, are you finished with your errands? That's not the actual episode name, yeah, but like I, it's absolutely. Worth... But yeah, very similar concept. Just having, I mean, SpongeBob and Squidward will always work and bounce off of each other well. They they have. Yeah, they have a. Gr- that oh yeah, they have a. Gr- have a great dynamic in this episode alone with like spongebob you know being over eager about like working at the crusty crab at night and squidward just grabbing a, a baseball bat that he had in his desk the whole time and telling the customer to just hit him in the head <laughs> yeah um now once once we get all of these elements out of the way the last part really is for the bus to arrive which of course oh, yeah. if, if a bus has any normal route if for some reason it, it parks outside of the Krusty Krab at 3 yeah, for some re- yeah, Squidward states that this is a very unusual for buses to do. So, so I'm not sure how, how this how this random like guy managed to find the bus find a bus that goes by this late that yeah. takes his route. Yeah. And it, it, it makes it there's a lot more questions actually once we even get to the end of this, but um, yeah. we see the outline of what appears to be the hash slinging slasher. I love the gag they pull here, which is that the outline of what you think is the hash-slinging slasher, what you appear to be a head and some evil-looking eyes, turns out to be the snout of a completely fine and cheerful-looking creature once he's seen in the light and not in the darkness yeah. of Bikini Bob. Yeah, very very goofy-looking creature, yeah. And I also love that, like, SpongeBob is touched that Squidward would pull off, would pull off standing in, like, the middle of the road, like, dressed in his outfit, while, while Squidward's also right there at the same time. And, and, that, and, that as they're, and that as they're, like, hanging on, clinging on to each other, afraid of what the hatch-slinging slasher is going, is, going, is going to get them, or whatever. And then, like, SpongeBob offhandedly mentions how he uses Squidward's clarinet to clog his toilets. Yeah, and and apparently that actually like he was pretty much telling the truth as they confirmed that in a later episode that at least Squidward's clarinet was used at least one time to unclog a toilet. Um, yeah. Now I wonder how he discovered that. The uh, the hash slinging slasher the character is incidental one eighty nine but he also goes by the name of Richard voiced by D. Bradley huh. Baker. He has appeared in other episodes a cameo appearance a cameo appearance in Snooze You Lose. And uh, he is actually in the book "Another Day, Another Sand Dollar." So, um, is, is a snooze you lose like one of those season nine, ten episodes, or you know, one of those later episodes? Uh, it was from yeah, season ten. Yeah, I, I figured because the newer episodes really love to do that. They really love to bring like incidental, like memorable, like incidental characters back for like well, thing. Uh, now that there's such a fan base out there for the inc- incidental characters. Um, they can sneak them in here and there, and I think it's a little fun game that the animators on Twitter will kind of talk about incidentals and mention that they'll be in certain episodes and pay attention. And I, I kind of like that how they use them sparingly. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. And uh, and I also really like. Um, and I also I, I know it's, it's sort of it's sort of weird how I'm just pushing this aside, but I uh, but I also really like kind of the childlike logic of this episode. It's like as a child, like you could really feel what SpongeBob is feeling, like when he goes goes outside briefly to throw the trash away while screaming the whole time. Because I used to be terrified of the dark when I was young. I would like pay my brother like my allowance money just to just to like accompany me to like the hallway to the bathroom. Oh, and like goodness. how, 
And like how when Squidward was describing like the story about like and the hash slinging slap, like another great visual joke is SpongeBob's face sinking into itself somehow or whatever. And now Squidward never goes like, oh, he's going to like kill you or capture you. No, he's going to get you, which is a good way to like kind of scare like a five year old. Yeah, it's a, it's a very easy way to scare a young kid. And um, what's really nice, too, is that we've all been like, we all at least can remember being a young kid being told your first like urban legend or the first time you were told about Bigfoot, the Loch Ness yeah. Monster. Like it, it, for uh-huh. some kids, it's extremely terrifying to hear about some of these like urban legends, these monsters, the New Jersey Devil. So it's a, it's a very easy story to relate to. Absolutely. Now, of course, the the end gag here of this episode, and, and probably one of the more well known gags in SpongeBob history, is that while they discover that the Hashlinging Slasher is not real and was just Richard looking for a job for some reason at three in the morning and got in the bus, mm-hmm. which if he did any research, the Krusty Krab isn't open, but midnight shift, saw the you know, giant neon sign on the other side of town, so it could be like. He could be there for like the three, you know, the graveyard shift, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe Crab somehow came to his senses and was like, maybe I should hire someone to like actually, well, it's more money, but I don't, more money to spend on someone, but I don't know. He really should. He should just hire Richard. He came with his own spatula. I mean, how do you not hire that guy on the spot? No, he came prepared. He came prepared. Uh, but the lights, the lights in the Krusty Crab are, uh, so now the as they're talking to Richard here. Uh, they start understanding all of the little nuances. The The phone was actually Richard calling the Krusty Krab to ask for a job, but he was too nervous. So that's why he wasn't really speaking on the other end. Um, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good things to foreshadow, because if you notice, like the light sounds and, and Squidward at first thinks like, OK, it's just, you know, the faulty electronics, because, again, maintenance and Krusty Krabs, not probably not good. But you, but you distinctly hear like a flickering sound, like yeah, like the flickering. sound of like a light switch flickering. Yeah, somebody touching it, and when we look over, we see uh, Max Shrek himself, Count Olork, Nosferatu, yep. as t- they call fl- him, flicking a light switch on and off. To the which the characters, in a nice little just in that the cartoonish way they can, just that little yeah. playful, you know, like Nosferatu, you little scoundrel, and we get a little smile out of the character. For those that don't know who Nosferatu is. I'm a massive cinephile. I'm not going to bore you about all the movie knowledge, but um, Nosferatu is essentially the German version of Dracula. It's a 1922 silent horror film, and it is one of the most beloved horror films in the history of of filmmaking. So uh, definitely, if you like film and you like horror films, it's worth checking out. I think it still holds up, but it's a weird character to pull from and have as like this spongebob meme now well for well well, well there's a lot there, there's already a lot to like get into Nosferatu, and we just started talking about him but um <laughs> but but first should we give like a very quick mention to floorboard harry yeah yeah go ahead we'll give the floor to floorboard harry okay so floorboard harry i'm a one of the writers i think yeah jay lender according to my notes i'm a i'm a when he wrote this episode i'm a before he was the one who pitched Nosferatu, but before that he was he he had the idea of like during SpongeBob's like at night montage, SpongeBob would offhandedly mention, and then I could deliver the mail to Floorboard Harry, and you just see some hands like grabbing the bag or whatever, like just some <laughs> random, just some random character that you that had no no setup, no introduction. Somehow the Krusty Krab and yeah, and and then at the very end, it, it's it's revealed to be Floorboard Harry flicking the light switch. 
And 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 it would it would have just, if they went with that ending, it would have just been kind of a okay, you know, it would have just been like a very whatever, like maybe not as memorable. But the fact that Jay Lender was thinking, hey, you know what we should add in our kids show? We should add like the the, the main villain from the nineteen oh two German expressionist classic <laughs> Nosferatu, and he pitched it to Steven Hillenberg himself, and Hillenberg loved the idea, and they like included it into the episode. Well, because they probably knew. I mean, even back then and today, the the longer time has gone on, Nosferatu and the knowledge of him in the public eye is very small. Um, oh yeah, more people I'd argue... know about Nosferatu from this one SpongeBob gag than they do about the movie itself. I... That was what I was gonna say. Yeah, like like this. I'd argue this episode was single-handedly responsible for bringing like, well, maybe not single-handedly, but like responsible for really bringing Nosferatu into like the public eye again, or, or at least introducing him to a new generation of kids or whatever. And and the and, fact that they've kept Nosferatu as a part of SpongeBob lore, even making him a character in Camp Coral, I, yeah, I, I it's gonna... one of those things that make me smile. Uh, well, well, not only, well, well, not only that, but like going back to like that brief ending gag where he's like some character they're all inexplicably familiar with. My favorite part, the part that really makes it funny for me, is it's not only SpongeBob and Squidward, but also Richard. All three of them are like Nosferatu, like yeah, you scoundrel, you pull, with this? you pull, yeah, like, yeah, like every, like not Nosferatu is like a common, a common jokester in like Bikini Bottom, I guess. Well, the fact that he's a character in Camp Coral would lead me to believe that he does just live among those in Bikini Bottom and maybe he just goes into homes at night and flickers the the light switches and tries to spook yeah, people. Yeah. But then when he gets caught, people are like, ah, we got you, buddy. Nosferatu. Yeah, because yeah, when I was looking looking up on the SpongeBob wiki, I knew, I knew that... Um, I should clarify, I don't really watch spongebob like the new seasons or whatever but sometimes on twitter you're like you won't believe what the new spongebob just brought back and they'd have like nosferatu played by like someone in prosthetics who's like green screened in or whatever but yeah they'd have like nosferatu show up occasionally and when i learned that nosferatu is also in camp coral i was like what is he like a kid or something and they, and they made like a, they made like a cartoonier like looking design like it's not a live action um, actor playing him. No, but it's one of the few, it's one of the gags that really got me and made me like appreciate Camp Coral for for what it was like. Just I got to you know hey I got to laugh at something at SpongeBob related so I would appreciate that. I don't really yeah I, I don't watch Camp Coral I don't I don't I don't keep up with any of those like spin-off shows or whatever. Yeah, there's already so much television out there and so much to to keep pay attention to. I don't blame you. Um Sharky, thank you thank you for coming on and watching Graveyard Shift with me. Um I mean, we both said this is one of our favorite SpongeBob episodes. There's yeah. not much more I could say and you could say that other than like if you've never seen this episode, do yourself a favor yeah. and watch it. Oh yeah, it's such an iconic episode. Like I was, I, I was shocked when um months ago, like a year ago, when I was on the on the wait list of like episodes that are free, episodes that are available. I was shocked that Graveyard Shift was for the taking. Yeah, you took that one early on, so I'm glad that that we got to save it for you this entire time. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and also, oh yeah, and also, can we mention just the great run of episodes we have? Because just last, just like the previous week was like Band Geeks and like with stuff like the Secret Box, and then and then like like just a really great run of like episodes. I I think everything up 
through season three is just uh, it's a slow climb up i i don't think there's really any stinkers or duds ahead which i'm really thankful for at such as yeah it's such a golden period of like television it's just the right the right it's like very lightning in a bottle just the right people at the right time like right writers voice actors you know like animate like the right everything just just went right for these three seasons it's it's a perfect mix and i i think you can recreate that recipe and i think you can even do your own recipe that tastes similar to the original stuff while also uh, yep. being original yourself at spongebob at this point everyone knows the characters i i'm uh-huh. always excited to see what new hands can do with the with the uh the show right exactly all right that's about that's about all i really have to say about graveyard shift (laughs) uh do you have any any uh places people can check your stuff out yeah you can check out my youtube channel link in the description called um am a crazy shark i haven't really uploaded anything in months at this point hopefully i'll change that soon but but yeah, also on my YouTube channel, there's like there's like some Twitter letterbox things because I watch lots of movies too. Um, uh, you, you don't have to put those on the description. Like they could, it's on my channel. Whatever. <laughs> no, hey, any anything that you wanna you wanna show off, I'll I'll be happy to help promote that at any time. So, uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you for being a part. Thank you for having me. The, oh, anytime, man. Uh, I can't wait to see how the whole movie comes up comes about. Be uh be sure yeah. to, to keep an eye out for Sharky's scene. Don't forget, right in the uh, bathroom with a thug tug, and uh, and mm-hmm. we'll have you on again at some point, man. All right, thank you. I I'd love to. All right. Hey, we'll talk to you soon. All right, see you later. Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy.